Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Evidence-Based Education podcast. You may be aware that back in June 2020, Evidence-Based Education published the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review. This is a review that was made freely available, which looked at existing research studies and frameworks relevant to the components and routes to improvement of teacher effectiveness. Our aim was to help teachers make better decisions about what they can best do to improve their effectiveness. What should they focus on and how should they use their very valuable time in terms of their professional development? Now that review has been downloaded over 26,000 times at the point of recording. It's very much in the hands of teachers and leaders in schools around the world. In this episode of the podcast, the first of a mini-series, we're going to follow the journey of one school in their use of the Great Teaching Toolkit as a framework for professional development. That school is Failinge Park in Rochdale, and in this first episode, I speak to the head teacher Janice Allen, to really set the scene and get an understanding of the culture for professional learning within the school and how they plan to use the evidence review as part of their professional development plans. Hello, Janice. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I am good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good to speak with you. And it's nice to be able to um, have a conversation about teaching and learning. Yes, rather than COVID. (laughs) Yeah, rather than COVID, yeah. Um, well, that that is a good introduction to kind of my first question, Janice. We're going to talk how your school is using the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review as part of your professional development plans at Failinge Park. But to set the scene, can you tell us a bit about Failinge Park and the community that you serve? Yes, yeah, so it's my sixth year as a head teacher in Failinge Park. And uh, the community I serve is in Rochdale in the northwest of England. It's um, a large school, so it's 1,350 pupils, 11 to 16. And it's a very, very diverse school. We've got over 42 languages in the school, got high levels of poverty at the school. Rochdale's fascinating in the fact that it's a community of, of, of grassroots organisations and people who want to do something well and who give something back and we're very, and with that in mind, we're very much a community school. We're very outward looking. We work with lots of different organisations. And we do that because there's a real sense of belief in the school that you you become evidence in, evidence enriched. And that's evidence enriched through organisations such as evidence-based education, but also as well by grassroots organisation of various charities. So I've been at the school, as I say, it's my sixth year. And when I started at the school, I had a vision in my mind that I wanted to create a compelling learning experience. And within the first year, I focused on learning and leadership. And it was very, very well planned out and crafted in terms of how we were going to to develop this idea of learning and leadership across the school. Well, that's that's something I want to ask you about. I mean, we've worked with you and your colleagues for uh, over three years now, and we know of the approach that you've taken to professional learning in the school. I've actually heard when I've spoken to him in the past, David Weston from the Teacher Development Trust talk highly of the professional learning culture in the school. So I think you were about to kind of tell us a bit about that, but but please do, if you could give us a bit of an overview about that culture and your journey so far. 
Yes, yeah, so I think the first thing I did when I f arrived at the school in 2015 was um, one of the first things I did was remove formal lesson observations and also remove all data targets from um, performance management. And the reason for that was I wanted teachers to really focus on learning and their craft and their practice within the classroom. And to be able to do that, I think you've got to create a safe space. You, I, want, I wanted my teachers to have agency, to be connected, to be able to be reflective. And I needed to make sure then that the systems and the structures that were in place supported that. So as I say, it was about learning and leadership, and it was very much about, well, what is a compelling learning experience here at Failinge? And how do we make that happen within the classroom? So within the first year, we started you know, exploring a lot of the work from the work that Rob Coe had done. We started exploring work. I did a lot of reading um, from people such as John Thompson, from David Didow, about how you get the very best out of people. We came across the Teacher Development Trust, and you've just mentioned David Weston there, and they were quite instrumental, I think, in helping us develop this learning culture. So what really is professional learning? How can you get the very best out of your teachers? And we created within the first year, we trialled things such as lesson study. We trialled reflective inquiries. And I think it worked because we were creating a space where it was OK to take risks. So we were doing this and then we knew that at the end that people weren't going to get marked down on the performance management mm -hmm. by not meeting their data targets. And then we started working with yourselves. I think it was probably around end of 2016, 2017. And that coincided with the way that we were reviewing the curriculum because we realised that, OK, it's all very well and good looking at different learning, different, different um, how you get teachers working together. But that would just be in a bubble if we didn't understand the curriculum fuller. And yeah. we started working on curriculum and yourselves in terms of assessment and thinking about what we really wanted from our curriculum. And we probably spent oh, a good 18 months in subject teams exploring what we wanted, the big ideas of the curriculum from the school, but yeah. also as well in terms of uh, within subject areas. And we took it slow. And I think that's been crucial to our practice, to our successes, is that we've taken things very, very slow um, in the context of the school. There's yeah. been phenomenal change, I think, from when I joined, um, but we needed to create the impression among staff that this was a slow process and that they were all engaged in it and they all had agency. So by focusing on the curriculum there and by focusing on what we meant by assessment, um, we then moved on to so right what how do we make this curriculum realized within the classroom and what are the tools what are the techniques that we need as teachers to be able to do this so we in the first year we developed hubs so teaching and learning hubs we moved on as i say as well we had um, lessons studied first of all moving on to professional inquiry questions collaborative inquiries across subject areas but also as well then we had some that were working within subject teams. And the first bit was creating that bit of reflection. What what do we create in the space for teachers to be able to reflect on their practice in a safe environment and to take yeah. risks? And that's really the ethos of what we are as an organisation. So how I mean, you talked about trust there. Yeah. Making things slowly. Is, is that that must be one of the ways that you kind of encourage people to take risks you make sure that they realize they're in a safe space 
is there anything else that you're doing to to get people to encourage uh, to, to take risks i mean you took away lesson observations so that's so it's a multitude of things isn't it i'm just trying to work out is is there anything else there that you'd highlight yeah so being curious so i was very much engaged in looking at um you know evidence that was out there um being very curious talking about my learning the things that i was understanding as much as anybody else um mm. explaining when understand it you know understand things we, when we you know say for example um I, if, if I, I might ask a question to the staff i might pose curious questions to the whole staff mm. and they would then respond back in terms of feedback to me personally but also as well then through their subject leaders as well so we very much encourage that two-way conversation and the feedback that i used to get from staff which i used to ask for on a regular basis not in the form of a questionnaire but in terms of me posing a, a curious question and then they would then send their reflections in created mm -hmm. that dialogue and that that dialogue of where we started talking about teaching and learning you know yeah. over the photocopier um when i'm like going around into classes and so on that was very key i think my leadership and the leadership of my senior leadership team was crucial to this as well so i'm you know a very visible head teacher i'm in and out of lessons all the time and first of all the staff would be a bit nervous about me just popping in and 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 and, and becoming you know subsumed within the lesson not taking over very quietly i go into lessons talking to children looking at the books and then going back to the teacher after and having a conversation with them all right that was really interesting what you were doing mm -hmm. and they were a bit nervous about that first of all but once they realized that even if i went into a lesson and the worst thing in the world happened that they weren't yeah. going to get hauled in front of me or any of my senior leadership team yeah. that created that trust there as well so it was all the conversations in those early years were always all about learning and and what it is that we were doing and i really we, like the fact sorry, that you, yeah, you're talking about sort of you know taking things really slowly because and and that is just so important isn't it it's a key first step is gaining that trust because people can be in a real hurry too much of a hurry just to go right we're going to implement this cool thing um we're really excited this is why we're doing it do you like the idea and sort of almost give a bit of lip service to i don't know consultation or buy-in but it's not really happening um so you need that sort of authentic um buy-in don't you and and to develop that trust authentically and to show it's it sounds like you yourself as uh, i was going to use the word vulnerability but that's not right but you've kind of modeled i suppose to some extent that you don't know it all that you are constantly learning and inquiring and um, letting people know that and that it's okay to be like that. Yeah, and, and so three years ago, one of the things that we decided to do was we decided with our inset days to disaggregate them, but not disaggregate them in terms of, um, you know, we'd have sort of, say, six twilight sessions for three hours. We didn't do that. We looked at the evidence from some of the work from Teach Development Trust and we implemented 30 minute sessions every Tuesday where we started exploring the evidence and um, what people were saying. Because, yeah, I wanted my teachers to be a, I'm a, I'm a pastoral staff to understand the evidence. But equally, I didn't want to just assume then that they would read these research papers or read a book and they might not be perhaps as geeky as I am about these things. Mm -hmm. um, and so we so over the course of a year, we have a 30 minute session every Tuesday where we disseminate evidence and research. And we started with 
um, Graham Nuttall's Hidden Lives of Learners. And I'd not read that book before. I can't believe you know, I've been teaching over yeah. 20 years. I'd never read it. But we took that book and and, and I would deliver it um, in, in small sections, small chunks, modelling to teachers the way that we wanted the lessons to be modelling as well. So, for example, you might, you know, I might give a little bit of um, some information about what was in that book and then I'd use some multiple choice questions say you know to go back so using the things that we'd learn with yourselves on the assessment lead program the, the evidence that was given about professional learning but also about what good practice was in the classroom we did that with teachers and we're in our third year now and we're at the point where um, our lead practitioners are some of the, within schools some of our teachers who support others um deliver that as well and it's yeah that's been very very powerful because we're able to talk about the science of learning every single week with our staff and we were able to continue that throughout lockdown which was brilliant in preparation for sort of blended learning um and it's done in digestible chunks so we've explored uh, you know obviously things like cognitive load theory this was about three three years ago we explored mm-hmm. um work from harry fletcher wood we exploring you know the work from sweller and, and all of those things it's it's and we we, we kind of i suppose making our teachers as geeky as we are um, yeah. by sharing the information with them on a weekly basis yeah well that i mean that's really we could carry on talking um more and more about this but um let's get on to, to how you're now going to sort of take where you're at and um how you plan to use the great teaching toolkit evidence review and the dimensions and elements within that as part of staff development in in that culture that you just described so you and colleagues at Failing park were kind enough to give us feedback on a draft of the review prior to to release um, but for those who might not have read it or come across the review, could you just, in your own words, describe the review, what, what it what it is? So for me, as a leader, as a leader of teaching and learning in the school, what it does for me is it enables my staff to be able to um, to, to, to look at research which pulls all the research together to help them in their practice and what it does for me as a leader is it gives me the tools to be able to have those discussions with staff so we can use the language and the clarity of the language is really important so when we're talking about dimensions or when we're talking about the elements that were in there we're all using the same language mm. so it provides a, 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 a beautiful framework really for us to pull together all our discussions of the sort of the past five years um, and, 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 and to make sure we've got that shared and common language. For the people who are actually teaching, um, you know, a full timetable, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, that's very different to, to what I do now. You know, the work that they're doing and they're planning their lessons, it enables them to pick perhaps an element within one of the dimensions to focus on. Mm. And what we're doing with it is we are using it for our Tuesday night sessions. So we're disseminating the practice, the stuff that's in there, um, mm. in the same way that we did with the, with the evidence that I've described previously. We're linking that so that each teacher will take an element of it um, within one of the dimensions and, and undertake a um, an inquiry question based around that. So, you know, you know, so they'll take something and they'll work within a small group to actually implement it within their classroom. Um, 
And what it also does as well is we use that as part of one of their performance management techniques. So it's very cyclical. I mean, mm-hmm. we call it performance development, which, to be honest, I stole from John Thompson's work, calling it okay. performance development. Um, and we, but they, but it, the teachers and the practitioners can then see how everything joins together. That their job is about making sure that they are able to deliver the curriculum effectively and use the best tools um, to do that. So that's how we're using it. So. So they're in the groups, they discuss it, they're, they get, they're getting the information shared on a Tuesday night session and they go away into their hubs where they're working in, a, say in, a, in a group of three um, yeah. within their subject teams or in sometimes you know, cross-pedagogy and they're taking that and using that as an inquiry question to reflect in greater detail and, and, okay. and it, so it fits into things we've done previously. So that, um, so just to make sure I've, I've got this right then, so Tuesday night session, um, you're you're going through the elements of the review. Like, yeah. do, do you kind of do all of that to begin with, and and then people go away and choose and organise themselves as groups? So is it quite a a, a long process in terms of how this is organised and structured? Yeah. So we see this in terms of the next couple of years using the What Makes Great Teaching Toolkit to to help us with our professional learning in the hubs. So when they do the inquiry questions to help share some of the practice on a Tuesday night session. So we'll just take, say, one element and then explore it in detail. Yeah, OK. Um, and then also as well, the teachers see that there's a value of that because it is linked to their performance development targets. Yes. So they will when you when you take an element as an inquiry question, what is then happening? So presumably they're they're taking that and going, OK, well, what does this actually mean? let me have a look at the sort of definitions, the terms, the research behind this element. Is that how it begins? Yeah. And and how can I make this work in the classroom for me? So, you know, so so because each teacher is at different stages in terms of their practice um, and in each subject area is at different stages in terms of their um, realisation of the curriculum. And the assessment processes that go in there, it's very much the, the it's very much focused and, and honed by the lead practitioners who lead those hubs, um, guiding the staff in the right way. But there's the element of choice and agency from the staff to be able to focus um, on something that is particular to their practice. Yeah. Do you have um, colleagues going in and um, looking at other people? Um, yes. In- delivering lessons yeah so what we've done for the past three well it's probably well yeah five years now we've used incremental coaching or instructional coaching and uh, whichever term you prefer as a tool to help people support and we completely messed up in the first year of doing that because what we did was we used senior staff to actually deliver you know to, to be part of the in, in incremental coaching team and that was a mistake because as soon as you use senior staff there's a hierarchy there there's a history there's a um, contextual things that might have happened before um, and it just meant that that bit of safety and security of how staff felt talking about their practice wasn't as strong as it could have been um, and equally as well you know senior staff we might we might teach but we're not teaching a full-time table and there is a difference I think um, yeah. in, in that so we shifted that and we trained up we had uh, we had trained about five or six teachers who were good classroom practitioners 
as uh, lead practitioners and they work with all staff across the school so every member of staff at some point within our school receives incremental coaching and that is you know following a sort of six to eight week model probably you know it's taken from some of the Douglas off and the Jim Knight stuff um yeah. it's it but they work on there but they the key bit is is they are classroom teachers are teaching a full timetable um you know obviously they've got time to be able to develop it but you know they're not they've got more recent history in the classroom perhaps than yeah. someone like myself or my deputy might have um and they work with them for a period of six to eight weeks on a small element and that's been really beneficial because of the facts and it has taken time to build the trust there because teachers know that it is an entitlement that everybody within our school whether you're the best teacher in the world or whether you're an NQTUs who might be coming in and, and might be having a few issues with say a couple of classes that you will all get an incremental coach who will support you and um and and so we're using our uh incremental coaches to to help deliver the what makes great teaching toolkit it's really quite multi-layered our approach and i wish it was a bit more simplistic sort of for the listeners they might be able to kind of understand more but leading teaching and learning is really really hard and i think that sometimes you alluded to it before we forget that to actually make real change in terms yeah. of a classroom it takes time it takes consideration i can't just read a book and then assume it's yeah. going to work in the classroom there's so much more that goes on related to the history of the school the context all of those things play a part when you're improving teaching and learning yeah. um it's just it's not just what you do is it i know I, we talk about this before in the past and the, the banana rama principle is not mm-hmm. It's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. And then Stuart says, well, it's it's not just what you do, but um, also the way that you do it. Um, but it just seems, I mean, w- what's the balance there? It, it's, it's, it feels to me that it's more the latter, you know, it's the way that you do it. And mm-hmm. that just, if you haven't got the qualities, the characteristics as, as a good leader, you know, it's going to be really bloody hard to do isn't it because you've got to have that ability to sort of gain trust and and you've got to have empathy there there's so many things that are just really hard to put your finger on that are are really about good communication and people skills isn't there yeah and that goes back to you know my very first year back in 2015 2016 when I said that it was about learning and leadership it's never really stopped being about that it's been about Mm -hmm. demonstrating the fact that as a school our our focus is learning and also as well that I need to be able to make sure that leaders at all levels have the skills to be able to articulate and demonstrate the the, the, the behaviours that that we know will get the very, very best out of people. Let me ask you a question here. So there's, um, if you have in your mind when this process started, the most reluctant teacher in the class, in the, in the staff room, who was, you know, or maybe there's a couple of them, but the, the the one that's most reluctant, what's their journey been like? Are they still kind of dismissive of, of what you might have tried to do or have you brought them on? I think we've brought most people on. You know, you you know, we're a large organisation. There'll always probably, in every organisation, there'll be one or two people who might look at you with scepticism. But I think as a head teacher, I've had 
to build that trust myself you know no one knew me before I went into the school I was not known within the local authority I'd worked in different authorities previously there was the trust that had to be built in me you know to allow me the privilege to be able to go in and out of their classrooms to look at books have conversations with teachers then there was the trust that had to be built in the leaders who who I was expecting to to deliver this and it's you know trust is one of those things isn't it it takes ages to build and it and it can take seconds to destroy you know and and so everything that we do has to be very considered um so some things and some people might think this is probably a bit controlling it's not but like I, I won't just let whole staff emails go out um I want to kind of make sure that the language is right first of all before they go yeah. out things such as to do with teaching and learning we think really really carefully about our communication we think really carefully about our communication about performance development objectives what's the language that we want you know simple things like taking out the word appraisal from a performance development policy um, and 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 taking out the words accountability and replacing it with things like professional responsibility it's it's small things yeah. but actually they're really quite important well they all add up don't they yeah they do, they do. And, and it's a long journey you know and, and it's hard work you know leading in this way sometimes I think oh you know you see schools that are on a really really quick trajectory and they improve very quickly but through a compliance model and that's not what I want I want my teachers, my leaders, my all my staff in my school and the children to have that sense of agency to want to come yeah. to the you can't school. you can't go in and assume that you will have as a leader you will have people's trust because of hierarchy. It you really have to almost orchestrate an opportunity to show that you can be trusted. You know, I, I am going to deliver on something because otherwise people will be naturally skeptical. Um, particularly if you've got some of that thorny language in there. Um, they'll make up their own minds about what what this is going to be. I remember actually you reminded me of of the podcast I did with uh, Sir Kevin Collins before he left the EEF and I can't remember exactly the words he used but he was talking about trust and how important that was when the EEF was starting out and he was going around speaking to school leaders and heads and he said you know I, I I'm not going to assume your trust I need to earn it from you and I, all I want is the opportunity to from you to to earn your trust and I think he he used the same quote as you that you know it takes a lifetime to build and and it can disappear overnight yeah it's it's just a huge element of it isn't it and no one knows exactly how much time you need to give to it it's always got to be there and it's not like oh we're going to earn the trust of staff over three months and then great we'll just crack on we've done it it's it's present it's got to be present all the time throughout the whole process hasn't it yeah and during covid it's reminded me a lot of that in terms of the way that you know in this really weird situation that we've been in the the importance of trust and the importance of careful communication and the importance of 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 um you know giving something different of yourself and something more of yourself so we've been we've we've i think we've still improved during lockdown um and it's tough because Rochdale's really high with cases um, and it always has been. But I think we've continued to improve. And that's been down to real sort of right. Well, what are we about as a school? Remember, it's about creating compelling learning. So what do we know? What are our skills and attributes? What make us the people we are? It's because we're good at teaching. We like being in the classroom. Right, yeah. Well, let's focus on that then. And a lot of my responsibilities since March has been about making sure that I take away 
the burden of anything else that might come COVID related to allow yeah. teachers to think about, right, well, when we come back in September, what we're going to do and, um, you know, and what might it look like in the classroom and how will you develop, what might you need to change and, and, and keeping that, keeping that trust there um, yeah. and going back to the clarity of language. It's almost like we've gone full circle. We've gone back to the clarity of language and, I know Tim Brighouse wrote um, a piece about, I think he called it the seven phases of headship or something like that, or three phases. <laughs> he broke it down into areas and he said when you're in a leader, in um, when they're in the fifth to seventh year of their headship, that is their um, important bit in terms of are they able to take everything that's gone before and really, really embed it. And yeah. since reading that, I've always been, I've always been quite conscious of it. Like how do how do we embed everything that we wanted so if i move on or something happens to me or the big red bus syndrome as we call yeah, it at school that's, that's the ultimate litmus test isn't it yeah and you know and i honestly believe as a leader that the, the better the leader you are it you know when you you know when you've got it right because you no longer need it that you almost become obsolete you know yeah. your school's working well when when they don't need you anymore you know and yeah. that's quite sad but it's, then you know it's time to move it, on it is so true it's very scary as well um but we we kind of talk about it. i mean we're not in the classroom here at eve obviously and many of us have been but even in the day-to-day -day job that we're doing you we're kind of striving for the same thing we, we're almost trying to make ourselves redundant in terms of processes and systems and things that sounds really boring but are there and they just work and you know you're not overly reliant on one person or two people yeah I mean a, a simple example the other night I, I meet with the lead practitioners once a fortnight and we're having to do it all via zoom at the moment in school and and I had to deal with something that was that was COVID related um and was late to the meeting and I got there and they were already discussing yeah. the leadership stuff. That, yeah. yeah, and that's it. And it's the same as well in terms of teaching and learning. You know, the, the remote learning that we're doing and the blended learning offer that we've been offering since since September, those teachers know far more than I do about yeah. it. And they've cracked on and they've found out. And that's what you want. You want that that thirst, that curiosity, yeah. um, something that's not been driven down by me. Yes, I've shaped it and put yeah. it kind of like through a funnel, do you know what I mean, in terms of, of getting them to understand it. But then what I want them to be able to do is to be able to fly, you know, and yeah. then but evaluate their practice through um, working together. And that's where, going back to the What Makes Great Teaching Toolkit, that's where that's so beneficial because whilst they run off and fly, you know, um, and, and, and are able to do it and make that risk and take that jump, it's always useful to make sure you know that what you're doing is of value and is evidence-based and evidence-enriched, yeah. evidence you know, all of those things. Yeah, it, uh, it's so fascinating. I mean, it all just comes down to, it, it sounds so simple when we're talking about it like this, mm -hmm. doesn't it? It's a, you, I do these uh, podcasts and you think, you know, it just sounds like common sense, but it's so hard, I think, to kind of make sure that you're sticking to this and you're not deviating. And I can't, uh, there was a politician, I can't remember who it was, like, I think it was maybe Tony Benn, let's say I could get that wrong. And he was saying in politics, there's, you know, there's, there's signposts and there's weathercocks, you know, there's people who blow in the breeze and will go from one direction to another. And then there's people who stand firm and true pointed in one direction. And that analogy I like because you've got to, haven't you? you you've mm. got to be really 
sure, confident, you know, well-grounded in the evidence and, and the kind of the the ethos, the values of the decisions that you're making. And you've got to stick to it and you've got to stay in that direction. Otherwise, you won't gain that trust and people won't believe that that's, you know, that's truly what you're trying to achieve. And I think that, you know, so I've never taken anyone down capability and people might think I'm really soft for not doing that. But, you know, I just bought... Um, you know, I'm not saying people haven't moved on because that, you know, people have moved on because this is what we're about as a school and it's not right for everybody. Um, but, you know, the, the, what I suppose what the point of that is if we've got a teacher and, and I said this very early on in my first year and people say, well, that teacher's not so good in the classroom. We need to stick them on capability. I was like, no, if they're not good, that's because we've not given them the right yeah. tools to yeah. be able to get better. So we've got to look at ourselves as leaders to be able to say, well, what have we been doing? Where's the support been? If we're not giving that person the support on a regular basis, then yeah. how can we just suddenly expect somebody to improve? We don't do it with kids. So why exactly. should we do it with teachers? You know, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's kind of something that's that's um, you know really stuck with us, I think, as yeah. as, a, as, as an ethos. Well, this podcast, this, this first episode, we're going to try and do a mini series here, aren't we, on your sort of journey yeah. through um, exploring the Great Teaching Toolkit, the evidence review, and we'll speak to some of your um, colleagues, um, your team, about how it's going and what you're doing and what this all looks like. But this initial podcast just feels like it's become so much more than just kind of you know we're going to do some sessions on the great teaching toolkit anyway so let's kind of wrap it up there and i think um this could be episode one done and what we'll do is we'll probably come back and, and speak to some colleagues and we'll work things out as we go i reckon yeah that'd be great jamie because they can tell you actually you know what it's like for them i've just given you my perspective yeah. Um, but for them to be able to articulate it and the benefits that the, the, the toolkit is making for them and, and their practice, that's, yeah. um, you know, that's going to be crucial. Um, but, you, I mean, I'm just pleased to be involved because I do think the toolkit's really good. Um, I do think it's really helpful to be able to guide teachers. One of the things I said to, you know, um, the team at EBE when you were doing it is the worst thing that can ever happen, though, with this toolkit is it becomes a rubric in the same way yeah. that we used to. You know, like under national strategies, have all the rubrics and the APP rubrics and stuff. The worst thing that could happen, it can become a tick box. Oh, have you filled in element one? Have you filled in element yeah. two? Because if you, as you just alluded to, you know, teaching and learning, is, it really is beautiful. It's a craft. Leadership is hard. It's a craft as well. It takes time. It takes practice. You mess up. You're not going to please everybody all the time. Yeah. But those two things together are, um, are really powerful. And for me, my job is about leading teaching and learning as a head yeah everything else everything else that comes with it but actually it it's I've got to I, my job is to understand how to get the very very best out of the staff that I lead and so they can get the best out in terms of yeah. teaching and learning absolutely it's like you said earlier you know you're you're an enabler aren't you that that is your number one priority of course there's a whole load of other stuff and you know shed load of admin but you mm. deflecting and sort of dealing with all of that stuff is creating that environment for the focus on teaching and learning isn't it which is mm. like one of the dimensions of the toolkit itself nicely wrapped up there jamie <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> okay cool well um that's great thank you so much for your time janice and we'll be um no doubt talking to you again in another episode thank you jamie 
Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you to Janice for taking the time to talk us through the culture of learning and leadership at Phalange Park and also about the plans for using the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review as part of their professional development framework. We're going to be coming back to Janice and also to her colleagues in school to find out how that journey goes as it unfolds. <laughs>